0: You know, Jesus said to his apostles, go. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then there's another text where we read, Jesus says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And it's our kind of, purpose over the next few weeks i'm going to be less preachy but more teachy if that's all right so i want to teach on some characters in the early church picking up on some of their stories and looking at actually how we can apply their lives how we can apply their encounters to our lives today and i want to look at someone you will all have heard about and a story you will have all heard and i want to take a look at peter I want to take a very, very brief look at Peter. Now, Peter, we know from the Bible, was a fisherman. He was a successful fisherman. Every you know, bit of evidence we can take from the Bible tells us he was good at his job. He had a successful business with his brother, Andrew. He had two fishing partners, James and John. And he made his living sailing on Lake Galilee, catching fish and selling them in the market in Capernaum. And Peter has an incredible story. We could all probably recollect instantly, if someone said to you, tell me a story about Peter, there would be one that would spring to your mind instantly. We have Peter who walked on water. Peter who had this amazing ability to put his foot in his mouth several times during his life. We have Peter who refused to allow Jesus to wash his feet. Peter who denied Jesus Peter who cut off the ear of a temple guard. Peter preached the first sermon on the day of Pentecost. We read in Acts 2, he preached a sermon. 3,000 people were saved in that day. Peter healed People. Peter worked miracles. He preached to crowds. Peter was arrested. He was put in prison and he was miraculously released. But I want to focus on one episode this morning and look at it in the, in the context of this command. Because Jesus said, go. Go into all the earth, essentially. But if you read Acts chapter 1 to chapter 7, if you were to read that in, in, in a sitting, you'd notice one thing. They don't go anywhere. Jesus said, go, but for seven chapters of Acts, they stay. They only actually minister in Judea. And if you look carefully, they hardly leave Jerusalem. They hardly leave the city. And it's actually the persecution by Paul that scatters the church. And then Luke makes a point in Acts 1, in Acts 8 verse 1. He says, now they were scattered. Now they went to Samaria because Jesus sent them to the ends of the earth. But that's not going to happen for a while yet because they're still very local. They're still a a Jerusalem-based church, and we'll we'll come on to that later. But Acts 2 says it, and I I love this, because I think it's an incredible model for the church. They worshipped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper, shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the time praising God and enjoying the goodwill of the people. That's probably one of my favorite lines in Acts, that they enjoyed the goodwill of the people. And we we read that they're going to the temple every day to worship. Now notice that. Where are they going? They're going to the temple. They haven't established the idea of Sunday church yet. The 6 p.m. gospel service hasn't been invented. They haven't invented the organ They're actually still practicing Jews. They're still going to the temple every day. And and we'll see through Acts how they transition away from that. But what's key for us here is they go to the temple every day. Every day they go to the temple. And if you've got your Bibles, I want to pick this uh, narrative up in Acts chapter 3. Because Acts chapter 3 tells the story of just one ordinary day when they're going to the temple. Like they would do every day day and it says this acts chapter 3 verse 1 says peter and john went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service they're still practicing jews jews went to the temple three times so they're just doing what they normally would do as they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day, he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the Beautiful Gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Now, this is a man who, was, who the Bible says he was lame from birth. Do you know we never told his name? We're never in this narrative. We are never told his name. He is defined by his problem. And I don't know how many times we've seen this through the Bible. People who are defined by their issue. People who are defined by the thing that's wrong with them. People who are defined by their ailment. And, and this isn't something who, someone who is something suffering because of poor choices or because of his, his actions or his mistakes. This is someone who from birth is defined as lame and he positions himself at the gate of the temple and he's quite economically minded because this is the place where jewish people go to pray and we discover later in the chapter he's been doing this for 40 years 40 years he's been doing this every day so let's assume he started begging young if he's been born lame he probably started young maybe six maybe seven Every day, 35 years, every day, begging at the temple. I want you to notice his friends took him to the gate, but they never took him through it. He got to the gate. He got as far as the doors of the church, but he never went through them. Never went through the gate. And There are certain places he couldn't go. Uh, He, you know, if he wasn't a priest, he couldn't go into the the Holy of Holies. I'm assuming he wasn't Jewish because he's only seems to be, when you look at the way the temple was built, he only seems to be in the court of the Gentiles. But I'm not sure he even gets that far because I have my suspicions he's, he's not a Jew because it's interesting when you read the text, he's not asking for healing, and we have to think, if he's been doing this every day for 40 years, he would have been there when Jesus was going into the temple. He would have been there when Jesus was, was you know, doing his ministry. He would have heard the stories of the healings. He'd have heard the stories of the early church. He may even have seen what happened on the day of Pentecost. But he goes to the temple every day to beg. He doesn't ask for healing. So I think, okay, this, this, this man might not be Jewish. He's just come to ask for money. He's not asking God for help. He just wants money. Something to you know, help him eat, something to help him survive. And, and this, was, this was his daily routine. He goes every day because he knows this is where the Jews go to pray. And, and he knows for the Jews it is good to be seen to be generous. So if you've got a group of people and you, you know they like to be seen to be generous, you put yourself right there. Because they'll want to be seen to be giving to the poor. And this man positions himself perfectly outside the church. And he says, hey, you want to be generous to the poor? Here I am. And he positions himself in the place where there's the highest footfall. These people going in every day every day for maybe 35 years and and, and i say this and i'm I'm laboring the point a little bit because i want you to understand that it's likely the disciples have seen him before It's, it's possible jesus even saw him because the bible tells us he was there every day And it got to the point where there's nothing unusual about this man because he's so ingrained, you just see him every day. Actually, for him not to be there probably would have been more noticeable. And I don't know if you've done that, where something has been there every day and you've never taken any notice of it, but the day it's gone, that's when you spot it. And this man has been there every day and he begs for money. But then something interesting happens, verse Four, Peter and John looked at him. They'd seen him every day. But today, something sparked in, in Peter's heart, something is sparked in, in Peter's compassion that, that makes him turn to this man. This is just not normal compassion. Something significant happens to Peter and it's a moment in his life that he needs to seize. It's said that they looked at him Intently, Something was about to change. Peter sensed a moment. He saw his opportunity and he took it. And I want to encourage you, church, there are times we need to seize the moment. There are times we need to seize that that moment and take advantage of it and, and move in that moment. And Peter and John, I think they recognize the moment. This is a man who's been here every day for 35 years and now is the moment. And they recognize that. And, and I want to encourage you, don't miss the moments. Don't miss the moments that God will put in front of you. You know, Paul says in Colossians, use your heads as you live and work among outsiders. Where are we? We're outside the temple. This is where the man is. Don't miss a trick. Make the most of every opportunity. You know, I'm, I'm convinced if we give God our ordinary everyday moments he will give us extraordinary opportunities I'm convinced that if we give God our normal everyday he gives us opportunities for the supernatural Paul says this in Romans he said listen give your life take your eating, your sleeping your ordinary everyday life give it to God as an offering embrace what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Seize the moment. Church, can I encourage you this week? Look for God in the ordinary moments. Look for God in the moments that may even seem mundane and live out your ordinary moments with supernatural generosity. Live out your ordinary moments with supernatural courage or supernatural compassion. Because I I, I promise you, God will show you the moments. God will show you the moments. He will show you opportunities to bless someone. He'll show you opportunities to pray for someone. He'll show you opportunities to encourage someone. He will show you opportunities to, to bring the love of Jesus to someone. Church, seize the moment. It goes back to the text. It said, Peter and John looked at him, and they said, look at us. And the layman looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you. But I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. I don't have any money. But this is what I do have I have the power of the name of Jesus. We talked last week that the apostles were sent out in the authority of the person who sent them. So I haven't got any money. I haven't got anything I can give you, but what I do have is the authority of the one that sent me. I have the authority of the name of Jesus. And, and I want to, again, look at this and say that Peter and, and John, they weren't focusing on what they didn't have, because it's so easy when someone says, can you help me? And we say, well, I haven't got this, or I haven't got that, or I can't do this, or I'm not gifted enough to do that. Well, Peter and John said, well, I haven't got any money, but I'll give you what I have. what do you have because paul tells us i can do all things through christ who gives me strength you know i heard someone say once success comes in cans success comes in cans not can'ts and paul says i can do all things how through Christ who gives me strength. Jesus said, well, ask anything in my name and it will be done. And and we see Peter now exercising the authority he's been given. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And and then it says this, which is incredible, because Peter could have stopped there. In the name of Jesus, walk, and Peter could have gone on his way. But it says that he, he goes up to the man, he takes him by the right hand and helped him up. Now that's faith. Because anyone can say be healed and just walk away. But to say be healed and then pull a lame man to their feet and do it in a public place where everyone is watching. What, what if it went wrong? What if he wasn't healed? What if Peter lifted him up and he just flopped back to the floor again? That's faith. Where he reaches down and picks up this lame man and brings him to his feet. Now this was nothing to do with the faith of the man. I'm not even convinced he was Jewish. He wasn't there for God. He wasn't even there for healing. This was about Peter's faith. I'll give you what I have. And it says that as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed in strength. and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then, walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. Do you know this is the first miracle after Pentecost? First one, first recorded miracle. And it happened because two people, doing what they did every day in the ordinary, two people decided to help someone. That's it. They decided to help someone and they believed they could. Church, can we have the faith to believe that miracles will happen? Can we believe that miracles will happen outside this door just because we decided to help someone? And that because we had the faith to believe we could. Church, I, I want us to see the miraculous. I want us to expect the miraculous. I don't want the miraculous to be a surprise that actually we'd expect God to move in the streets. That we'd expect to see people set free. We'd expect to see the blind see. We'd expect to see the lame walk. We'd expect to see the deaf hear. Church, let's make a decision to love people around us the way Jesus did. The way Peter saw this man spotted an opportunity that actually Peter believed, okay, we're going to have a miracle here, and he made a difference in that man's life. In his ordinary day. But he sees the moment. And he picked this man up, and he said, listen, I probably don't have what you're looking for. But I'll give you what you need. I'll give you what I have, the name of Jesus. And when you look at the text, we see that, that, you know, the the miracle here is incredible. Because I I don't know if you know, and and I, I know many people have been on this journey, but do you remember watching a baby trying to walk? When it takes that first step, bump. Climbs back up again, takes another step, bump takes another step bump takes two steps and and that'll happen for for days and days and days and days but look at this man he gets up what happens he starts walking and actually he's not just walking he's walking and leaping and and later on it says that they go into the temple and he's holding on to peter and i'm not surprised he's knackered he's gone from never walked to leaping round he's gone from strictly lame to strictly come dancing in in a matter of seconds because of the power of the name of jesus church can we ask god this week for more opportunities to introduce people to the power of the name of jesus because that's what peter did I don't have silver or gold, but I'll give you what I have. The power of the name of Jesus. And Peter didn't have to stop and pick up the man. He, you know, he could have said, be healed, but he chose to step off his path. He chose to step out of his usual route. And I don't know if you know this, but if you're right-handed, most people in biblical times were right-handed and if you're right-handed picking someone up by the right hand you can try i would try it but with covid i'd have to sanitize my hands and spray everything you get closer try it at home try and pick each other up off the sofa with your right hand and you'll notice you actually have to get closer and Peter does that. He gets close to this man. He reaches out, takes the man by the hand. And I, I want to just encourage you, church, would we pray that we lift people up? That we'd be a church that lifts people up. They don't have to be in the building, by the way. This man was not inside the temple, he was not inside the church. He was outside, and we, they, he lifted him up. And I want you to spot this as well. Peter doesn't tell him, You're a dirty sinner, you need to repent. Peter doesn't tell him, oh, by the way, you're going to hell. Peter doesn't tell him, actually, well, you need to come into the temple before you'll get healed. No, he prays for him where he is. He reaches down where he is, and the man gets his healing. And this is important because for years, and I've spoken on this before, religion has communicated something different. And for years you could walk into churches, and I've done it, and you'd hear how you're a dirty sinner and you need to repent and you should, you know, you should be sorry for everything you've done. And, and it's all true, but, but it's not the full story because when I read the Bible, I look at Jesus and he doesn't condemn outsiders. He doesn't condemn those on the outside. Actually, the people he condemns are the ones inside. The ones Jesus condemns are the ones inside the church walls. Jesus loves unchurched people. Jesus loves those on the outside. This man is not in the temple. He is outside the walls. He's outside the church walls. This miracle happens outside of the church. And and what it tells me is God doesn't send the lost into the church. He sends the found into the world. God doesn't send the lost into the church. He sends the found into the world. You read the parables of Jesus. He talks about the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. Now, now two of those are where the, the seeker has to go and find that that is lost. And even with the prodigal son, the father is stood outside. He stood at the gate looking, waiting for the son to come back. But in the other two parables, the coin doesn't jump into the woman's hand. The sheep didn't find a new pen, and then it was, was found. The seeker had to go and find them. I'm going to invite the, the band back up, and, and I know time is, is going, but, but I want you to notice this, that after the man is healed, after the man is healed, he goes into the temple. For 40 years, he's, he's been sitting at the gate, And we could look at that physically and metaphorically. He's been sat at the gate. He's been an outsider. He hasn't been able to go in. Maybe no one took him in. Maybe no one got him that far. They they just got him to the gate to the temple and never took him any further. But for the first time in his life, he gets to go in. And he goes in with the people who healed him. Church, I want to, uh, to encourage you to pray for more opportunities to connect people to the house of God. That actually, we wouldn't be a church that just sits and waits for people to walk in, but actually we, we go out and we find those who are lost, those who are hurting, those who need to know the God who heals, the God who provides, the God who protects, the God who revives, the God who restores, the God who rebuilds, the God who protects. And we would say, listen, I probably don't have what you're looking for, but I have what you need. I've got the name of Jesus. And if all I've got is Jesus, all I've got is more than enough. I've got the name of Jesus. It's not silver, it's not gold, but it's the name above every name. It's the name above every situation, every circumstance, every issue. Church, can we be a people who go out and make a difference, introducing them people to the power of the name of of Jesus and we lift them up and we connect them to the presence of God that we would see people healed outside these walls and then we bring them in and they come in walking and leaping and praising God because we gave them what we had We're going to close with a song and and, and I've asked the band, um, I pulled a a swerve on the band this morning and just said, can we close with the song we finished with because I want us to go out with these words in our heads that we are chosen. We are sons and daughters of God and the Bible tells us when you ask your father for good things, he will give them. When you go out this week, Go knowing what you have. You have Jesus. You are chosen. You are loved. You are a child of God. Church, let's stand together. Father God, would you help us this week to go out knowing who we are, We would go out knowing who we are in you. God, we were lost. We were once outside, but you brought us in. God, would you help us to do the same? Help us to seek out the lost. God, empower us with your Holy Spirit to do the miraculous. Embolden us to speak light and love and grace and truth and mercy to everyone around us. God, help us to show love to those who need it the most. God, empower us again. Fill us again so that we can go out and make a difference in this community. That we would see hearts revived, hope restored, and lives rebuilt for your glory. And all God's people said, Amen.